everyone, welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I am your host, Hal, and with me here today, someone who I love so dearly in the month of love, it's Mordo. Hi, Mordo. Hal, I just woke up. I did not think, I, I, the, the you confessing your love to me was not on my bingo card today. <laughs> Oh, Mordo, you know exactly what to say on this month of love. Anyway. No, I don't. <laughs> My brain's still trying to wake up. Oh. I can manage. I can Way manage. No work. That's okay. Well, while your like brain that. wakes up. Yeah, no, don't worry. While your brain wakes up, Mordo, let me tell you and the audience about why I wanted to make this a Valentine's Day special. Uh, I have not one, but two charlie brown valentine's dvds um and you haven't seen these uh just because i wanted well, to but right i heard there yeah. was a lot to go through and i didn't yeah. really have much time to actually sit down and do it you're gonna find yeah, out no. why chat <laughs> well and you know what the other thing too is that these things are hard to find i found out like i was like trying to research like where to find these cartoons and they're not easily accessible to find like you don't just really? find them on like net netflix or hulu or voodoo like yeah no they're not even on tubi man and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that apple those greedy fucks do kind of own peanuts as an ip and so a lot of the peanuts specials are exclusively on apple tv which like sons of bitches who the fuck has apple tv <laughs> you know it's like i don't know uh, my boyfriend it, maybe i, I hear his yeah. dad works for apple okay so yeah occasional people do but it's not it's not up there with like something like netflix or max where you know you at least know somebody who has that kind of has access to those kind don't, of streaming services don't quote me on that i don't i'm not 100 percent sure if he does i was just, i was just right. saying yeah. my uncle works for nintendo <laughs> yes but instead of a joke i'm being legit yeah exactly but yeah no i completely sympathize with not being able to find these which honestly pisses me off because the cartoons on these dvds were actually pretty fun like i honestly well, i'm not telling people to like you know I, I really want to recommend these, but obviously these are really hard to find. So it's kind of one of those catch 22 kind of things. But uh, I mean, if one of them I was able to find, but like I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. Right, exactly. But like, you know what? If people are a ever able to find these, I highly recommend to watch them. Obviously, don't go out of your way to find them if they're not, you know, easily accessible. But if at all possible, I highly recommend these. So I won't go into too much detail with them. I just want to mention, you know, occasional things about them. So, like, the first one is I want to mention is called uh, Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown, which is on the DVD aptly titled Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown, um, which it's basically just the Valentine's Day special from, like, uh, what, what year was this from? This was from 1975. And it's directed by our dear, our dear, dear uh, Phil Roman, uh, director of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, that's right. He did do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, he also directed a couple other Peanuts shorts. Some we'll talk about in this 
episode and he also did direct i think the most famous thing he ever directed according to the letterboxd is a charlie brown thanksgiving i guess i should also mention seeing as how we talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show he also directed the tom and jerry movie i was you just know. about to look that up because i'm like Didn't you see that too? <laughs> yeah tom and jerry the movie what, what what a film what a what a great film thank you phil <laughs> i look, watched that <laughs> with the gang you did I didn't talk about it, but yeah. <laughs> Remember how we liked it? I guess. <laughs> no, we did. That was a joke. We did not. <laughs> I remember. Uh, but yeah, I remember. I remember like seeing like a bit of it younger, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, right. "Oh man, Tom and Jerry can talk. That's so cool." I've always wondered what that would have been like. Grown yeah. up now, and look back on it, yeah, no, that that was a mistake. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a, it, yeah, that was their mistake for sure. Oh, but he yeah. did Garfield stuff as well. He did do Garfield stuff. Yeah, so he Phil Roman's been around. Um, but I think he did get his start in like, you know, Peanuts cartoons. And this is like one of them where like he actually directed them. Because I did mm-hmm. also notice he he was like he would do he would he was like an animator on like some of the early ones, but I think this is when he was like starting to really start to like actually direct them, like actually be in charge of production with them. Look, yeah. suffice it to say, Be My Valentine Charlie Brown is much better than the Tom and Jerry movie. Um well, that's it's a very good. wholesome Yeah, it's a very wholesome cartoon. And it's honestly, honestly, of the Peanuts shorts I've seen, because I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen a, a select hand few. Select handful of them. Of the ones I've seen, this is the one that actually has another character that isn't Linus standing up for Charlie Brown. There's a scene, and I mentioned this in my letterbox review, there's a scene in this cartoon where Schroeder, of all people, stands up for Charlie Brown. So let, let me let me explain the scene, Mordo, because I, I definitely need to explain this, because this is actually, like... Yeah, man, go ahead. Honestly, yeah, it's honestly really funny, but also really depressing. So oh, Charlie no. Brown, the whole... Charlie Brown, the whole cartoon is just going around like trying to, you know, get a Valentine like, you know, because basically he just wants a Valentine card just because he wants people to notice him, but he doesn't get one. And so at the very end, like uh, Violet and Lucy and all these other girl characters come up to Charlie Brown and just like, hey, we saw you didn't get a Valentine and we feel bad. So we I erased my name on this one and wrote it to you which is pathetic. And so Schroeder is just, so just so happens to be there. Schroeder's just like, what the hell is wrong with you kids? Like you're honestly, you are just doing this. So then you don't feel as guilty. And he like totally goes off on them. Just like saying like Charlie Brown does not deserve your pity. Like you should be a lot more respectful towards him. Now, meanwhile, Schroeder didn't give Charlie Brown a Valentine's day card either, but still what he's saying is absolutely true. But then Charlie Brown goes, don't listen to what Schroeder's saying. I'll take the pity card. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I know. It's it's insane. It is so insane. I kind of love it. Just for that one scene. Look, the cartoon itself is fine. Like, I think it's good. It's a it's a fun, like, Peanuts kind of uh, story. You know, you just, you'd watch it because you watch these characters because they're so charming. But that one scene kind of elevates it above to being, like, just really pure charlie brown like 
it it just it just stands out to me as like one of those scenes that like really defines how what what Charlie Brown's all about. It's both really funny and really depressing at the same time. Um, Man, so I'll just I'll leave it at that. I highly recommend it. The next one I want to mention is actually from 1967. So this is still on the same DVD. It's like one of the bonus cartoons that were included in this DVD. Oh yeah, have we mentioned that there's six of these? Yes, yeah, because there's two DVDs, six cartoons, three on each. There's a lot. That's why I'm I'm kind of speed running through these. You don't have to speed run it. <laughs> yeah, well, they they are they are short. They're like 25 minutes long. So I'm only really mentioning like what's most important. Um, and That's fair. I will say, so for this one, you're in love, Charlie Brown. It's from 1967. Uh, so this predates Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown. And this one was just anxiety-inducing, I gotta say. Like, which one? Which, so, one? which one was the one? Was this the one you were screaming about on Letterbox? No, that's the next one. I'll get to. Oh that. So no! Th- this one, yeah, this one. So what's interesting about peanut specials is, on average, you know, they have a little bit of Charlie Brown moping and doping around, but then you have other characters that you, you know have scenes with like maybe linus is doing something maybe lucy's doing something maybe sally's doing something maybe schroeder's doing something like maybe snoopy's doing something like you know they these specials the best specials tend to like kind of show what every character is doing it's not just focusing in on charlie brown charlie brown is unequivocally the main character but there's other characters to be seen around this one is purely just from the perspective of charlie brown and all it is is him just stressing about trying to talk to the little redhead girl it's like i said it's anxiety inducing because it is non-stop just charlie brown being like i'm the worst this is this sucks i really want to talk to her i'm gonna go talk to her never mind i don't want to talk to her and it just keeps going like it's paced it's paced so quickly we're like Every scene is just him complaining about trying to talk to the little red haired girl and not being able to muster up the confidence to talk to her. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like, can we get a breather? Can we please have a scene of Snoopy doing something funny? Like it never ended until the very end where like he gets like a note that says, like, I'm fond of you, Charlie Brown signed little red haired girl. And then the special just stops because he just walks away with it. It's just like, huh? Like, Oh, like I was like, I was breathing so heavily at the end of it. I'm just like, I was this close to having a panic attack from it. It was like, wow, I know. Like it was just so intense, but I kind of respect it. It just ends like that. Like he gets the letter. Like they don't actually like meet or do anything together. That's that's no. Yeah. Yeah. it, it, It was, it was stressful. It was quite the stressful cartoon for just 25 minutes long. And you know, again, like. Oh, so basically, God, was... all, so basically, what I'm expecting out of this is Charlie Brown just having self doubt for like 25 minutes. Got it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the one. It's like again, like I said, in other Peanut specials, you have Charlie Brown moping and doping about, but like that's like part of the special. There's other scenes. Like this is taking that one scene of Charlie Brown being depressed and extending it for an entire special. It's just it's it's a little much at times. I'm like, I can't imagine being a kid and watching this. Like, I would probably start crying if I was a child and I watched this for the first time. It's <laughs> it's pretty heavy at times. You're just like, Jesus Christ, lighten oh, the man, fuck up, Charlie deep. Brown. So I it's still interesting though. I still 
had some fun with it just because I was so baffled by how nihilistic it got. Um, but you want to hear about the one I yelled about on Letterboxd? <laughs> yeah, because that was scaring me. I'm just like, oh, God, how do I yeah. back out of this? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's your first kiss, Charlie Brown from 1977. Uh, this one's also directed by Phil Roman. Um, oh, so basically, goody. this one. <laughs> I know. You just keep hitting those home runs, Phil. (laughs) So this one is basically about Charlie Brown and the gang, uh, like, hanging out at, like, the homecoming football game. Like, you know, the kids are having, like, a homecoming football game, and then they're eventually going to go to the homecoming dance. Um, And so so the little red-haired girl, who's actually named Heather in this one... uh, She's like the the homecoming queen. And what Charlie Brown has to do is he has to be he's like an an escort for her. So like after the game, he has to escort her into the dance onto the dance floor and then like give her a kiss or something like that. Like that's why it's called It's Your First Kiss, Charlie Brown. You know, that's not the part that pissed me off. The part that pissed me off is that this is so the majority of it is a is about, the you know, the kids playing in a football game against like the I don't know, whatever the fuck the other team was. So Charlie Brown is the kicker, and you know the, the 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 one of the most classic Peanuts jokes is Lucy and Charlie Brown are in a field, and Lucy you know tells Charlie Brown to kick the football, and he goes up, tries to kick it, but she moves it at the last second, causing him to fall on his ass. That's a classic tr- Peanuts joke, right? I'm sure you're familiar with that. Oh yeah, of course, everyone is. It's like an iconic running gag. Exactly. They keep that running gag. During the game. What? So, yes, in the mo- so in this short, Charlie Brown is the kicker for the football team, but and Lucy's the one who holds the football, and she moves it every time he tries to make a kick, and everybody gets mad at Charlie Brown. Now, I know what? this is a cart this is a cartoon meant for children. I shouldn't be overthinking it, but this pissed me off so much because look here's the thing when lucy does it you know in something like great pumpkin charlie brown or charlie brown thanksgiving it's done so as like the cold open or it's like you know a little just a little scene that happens in in those cartoons but it's during when the kids are just hanging out when they're just doing nothing the like lucy's just doing it to mess with charlie brown this is a game that they're trying to win and Lucy's still messing with Charlie Brown. But that's not even the part that pisses me off. It's like, okay, Lucy's being sociopathic towards Charlie Brown. Nothing new. But the kids shit all over Charlie Brown. They're like, Chuck, why did you miss that kick? Chuck, you lost the game for us. Because they do end up losing the game. It's because Charlie Brown doesn't make a kick. But again, Lucy was the one. Yeah, she was the one who pulled the football out of, the, out of his way so then he couldn't kick it. Why are people getting mad at Charlie Brown? He had nothing to do with it. And it just, yeah, that infuriated me because, look, I get it. The point of Charlie Brown is that, you know, life's kind of rough on him. And sometimes, and we'll get to another cartoon later on where it is entirely his fault as to why life is rough towards him. But the majority of the time, it is never his fault. It's just circumstances. But here, you cannot tell me that kids would watch him try and kick the ball and then get mad at him when Lucy so clearly pulls the ball at the last second. And you want to know what's even extra pissed, makes me extra pissed off about this? Lucy at one point 
calls Charlie Brown out. It's just like, yeah, why did you miss that kick? It's like, bitch, are you for real? You know what? Shit like this makes you want to kick down a sliding door window. And <laughs> <laughs> How very apt. <laughs> we'll get Look, to that later, chat. We'll we'll get to that later. Look, suffice it to say, that part just infuriated me. I was like, Jesus Christ, like I can't believe the 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 the, the creators of this cartoon expect me to believe that people would actually be mad at Charlie Brown. And Lucy of all people. Like it it just makes no sense. I severely, severely just do not buy that. Other than that, the rest of the cartoon is not bad. I mean, it is weird that, like, Charlie Brown, you know, it opens with, like, a parade, and Charlie Brown's just like, what's this parade for? It's like, what do you mean, what's it for? You you showed up. Like, you signed up to be an escort for the homecoming queen. Like, why Blood, is this you... news to you? Blood, what are you waffling about? <laughs> yeah, he really did have a condition in this cartoon. we <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny guys. He said the funny. We can't have a mortal episode without him saying the funny. Exactly. Exactly. I will say there is actually a really cool sequence where Charlie Brown does eventually kiss uh, the little red haired girl. He like kisses her on the cheek. And then like the animation kind of does this like exploding thing where like, you know, like hearts explode everywhere it's all clearly in charlie brown's mind like it's supposed to be like you know a metaphor but for how like much of like how much that kiss means to him and he's like floating through the sky and he's so in love and then it ends with him like like falling in his dream and he like lands in his bed it's really a really well animated sequence i must say it's really cool all things considered it's just also in this cartoon that has a severe lack of logic when it comes to shitting all over charlie brown so so yeah, suffice it to say, I as many problems as I probably have with some of these cartoons on this specific DVD, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, so, do you want me to move on to the other DVD? Pretty cool. You were just ranting about it. What? <laughs> what? 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 How do you hate something that made you so mad for the most stupidest reasons of how poorly written this shit was? Because there was good stuff in there. I did like the animation, and I did like... I love the animation at the very end when Charlie Brown's flying around. That's when I'm like, all right. It makes it well worth it to get through the... And some of the jokes were funny. Like, anytime it was on Snoopy, it was funny. I mean, come on. It's Snoopy. The, the, what was Snoopy the, doing? The, the, oh, he was he was the referee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and oh, a cheerleader. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh, like him. <laughs> yeah, the, Snoopy's just there. Like, you know, like... He's okay, just there. I guess Snoopy... Yeah, he's just there. Blood thinks he's on the team, except he is on the team. <laughs> so, but anyway, mm-hmm. there's a, there's another DVD I want to mention, and that is a Charlie Brown Valentine. This is a completely different DVD with different bonus cartoons. So, a Charlie Brown Valentine is from 2002, which is fairly recent. I mean, it's over 20 years ago, but... Hey, that's the year I was born. Hold up. That's oh, look at that. What are, what are the odds? And also, two thousand two, the year that Punch Drunk Love came out. But uh, we'll get to that. Um, oh fuck, you're right. Yeah, yeah, isn't that cool? But anyway, this one is really weird. So uh, first of all, I want to mention the commercials at the beginning of this DVD because it has a commercial for like peanuts on VHS. Um, oh, you know, I think I know. I think I've seen that one. 
Yeah, it, it it it's played before like a bunch of like Paramount and Nickelodeon D, uh, DVDs. Like you know, it also has this commercial for Charlotte's Web Two, which I remember watching a lot oh, as a kid. Oh my god, I I remember I remember that trailer, and I think I've yeah. seen that film. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Charlotte's Web Two. I barely remember the first Charlotte's Web, so like I honestly could not tell you. I've probably seen the Charlotte's Web Two trailer more times than i've actually seen the first charlotte's web so <laughs> make of that what you will um but i just want to mention this like peanuts commercial it's very cultish because it's like you know you have all these different people being like charlie brown on home video charlie brown on home video like they just keep chanting it and i'm like look look guys i love charlie brown as much as the next guy but like some of these kids are like really obsessed with charlie brown like and there's like adults who are just like yeah we love charlie brown we love everything he does and i'm just like uh okay (laughs) look everybody just look up these these this peanuts like on home video i'm sure you could find it on youtube it's just it's weirdly cultish it's i don't know people seemed a little too obsessed with charlie brown in that commercial it was it was it was strange (laughs) um i just want to mention with charlie no, you go, go ahead. Yeah, I should mention at a time, uh, like when it came to physical releases of Charlie Brown specials, they were released under Paramount. But I remember finding a Valentine's DVD under Warner Brothers at Walmart mm. recently, so I could have oh, had yeah. access to some of the specials, but I I didn't go for it. I had I had to buy a, a fucking film for next week's Wheel Night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm <clears throat> so looking forward to that one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, I agree. That one was far more important than any Charlie Brown Valentine DVD. But regardless, <laughs> um, I just want to mention, I think this one I probably have the least to say about a Charlie Brown Valentine, the one from 2002, because it's weirdly just a remake of, you know, the it, it, well, here's the thing. It's weirdly a remake of all the cartoons from the other DVD. So, like, obviously, it's kind of its own thing. But it has elements that we literally saw in the other cartoon. So like I said in my Letterboxd review, you know, Charlie Brown is stressed about having to talk to the little red-haired girl in this one. Just like you're in love, Charlie Brown. Everyone's running around prepping for Valentine's Day, like in Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown. And then there's a school dance that takes place at the end, much like It's Your First Kiss, Charlie Brown. So it's, it's literally just remaking aspects from these other cartoons. And... I guess it's interesting because it's kind of all in one cartoon, but again, it's just callbacks at the end of the day. Like they even sneak in like a callback to a Charlie Brown Christmas. Cause they have Sally go, don't you know, sarcasm when you hear it, which is a line that Charlie Brown said in a Charlie Brown Christmas. So it's just like, okay, what does this have to offer? That's original, you know? Cause it's literally just remaking what already happened in other cartoons. So it was just weird, but I mean, it was fine regardless. Like, if I watched this on its own, I'd probably still get something out of it. It's it's fine. But it's probably the one I have the least to say about. So, I'm moving on. Fair. Um, This one I want to mention. So, the bonus cartoons on this. This one has There's No Time for Love, Charlie Brown. Which is probably the one that has the least to do with Valentine's and love. Like... It's basically about Charlie Brown and his friends going on a field trip to a museum, except Charlie Brown and Peppermint Patty and Sally, those friends, end up at a supermarket, and they think the supermarket is a museum. 
What? Which, yeah, no, it, it makes no sense. They're just like, oh, which way did the kids go? Did they go to the museum or the supermarket? They probably went to here, even though it's like it clearly. Well, first of all, what what kind of a supermarket is right next to a museum of fine art? Like, huh? Like, who, who huh? came up with that in engineering? But like they walk into a grocery store and they're just like, wow, is this modern art? And I'm just like, what? do you not know how to read? Like, does nobody Brother. in this universe read? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we have adults in this universe that just go wah, 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 wah. So, you know, yeah. anything's possible. I guess so. But, like, I, you know what? I think this it as much as it lapses in, in logic in this one, at <laughs> least it does end with a really funny commentary because Charlie Brown is there on a field trip to write a... He, he's there to write a and like an essay on like you know art or something and he ends up talking about it he ends up talking about the grocery store instead and so then his teacher gives him an a on his report because she thinks it's like you know really quite insightful that he compared an art museum to a grocery store which is honestly a really good commentary the fact that they couldn't tell the difference between modern art and grocery store items but the thing that makes it even funnier is that Charlie Brown did that on accident. So <laughs> it we all it's make funny. happy little accidents. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it is funny just for that. It, again, it's a fine cartoon, all things considered. Again, it's probably the least to do with anything love related. I guess because they they probably put it on this DVD because they're like, ah, eh, they're loving the title. Just put it on this DVD, even though again, like. I think the only aspect it has to do with love is that Peppermint Patty thinks Charlie Brown has a crush on her when he doesn't. But again, it's mostly about them going to a museum, going on a field trip. Like, that's what the special's about, is them on a field trip. So, I don't know. It's, it, again, the least to do with love. I get, they really only put this on there because love is in the title. Um, but... I really wanted to mention this one. So this is the last cartoon, I swear. We'll, after this, we'll get to Punch Drunk Love, I swear. But I have to mention Someday You'll Find Her, Charlie Brown. Because I think I told you about this before we like were planning. We were like trying to figure out like which of... I was trying to figure out which of these DVDs I wanted to talk about. Because yeah, again, there there's is, two of them. <clears throat> yeah, there was kind of a bit of like a production hell trying to come out how we were going to do this episode. Where yes. either we would do one of, one of them, both... Or some third option I can't think of. Yeah, it was kind of a lot to like figure out because, because here's the thing I wanted. I feel like I would have wanted to start with the one with the '70s cartoons on them, which is the other one. But I also wanted to talk about this one because this one has a cartoon that I do remember watching as a kid, and that is "Someday You'll Find Her, Charlie Brown." I think looking back on it, I probably watched the other cartoons as well as a kid. Cause I probably rented this DVD from like the library or maybe blockbuster. I, I could not tell you how I came across this, but I do distinctly remember watching someday you'll find her Charlie Brown because I remember watching it and being horrified by it as a kid. I was like, Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> so I have to talk about this one. So, it starts off with Charlie Brown watching a football game on the TV. And for two seconds, he sees a little girl that he develops a crush on. And he's like, that's the one Linus. That's the girl I need to find. So he spends the whole episode tracking her down. 
which is creepy. <laughs> like, like, oh, it is, okay. Yeah. It is really weird that he sees a little, he sees a girl, obviously his own age, but he sees a girl on the TV and he's just like, Linus, that's the one. I'm so in love with her. And it's just like, uh, okay. But even, well, the wall, you know, but. Besides all that, that's creepy. But it is, I guess it is kind of interesting seeing them go from location to location to try and find this person. You know, I, I kind of like that. It's kind of like a mystery. Like, oh, how are we going to find this person? But, like, the whole special, Charlie Brown is a dick. Like, he is so rude towards Linus. And he is so cowardly. Because, you know, Charlie Brown is not the most sociable character that's pretty in line with his character he you know in other cartoons that i've talked about he's afraid to talk to the little red-haired girl like you know that's nothing new but the fact that he's so rude towards linus towards the they come across different girls that he knows is not the girl he saw on the television but he's like ruthless to these girls he's just like no that's not her she's not pretty she's not the one for me and i'm just like jesus christ like this is the most petty and most like bitter i've ever seen charlie brown it was honestly horrifying to see like re-watching it it was horrifying to see because as a kid i just didn't understand what was happening i was just like oh they're going on this adventure and the ending is what really fucked with me because at the end they do find the little girl and wouldn't you know she has a blanket just like linus so her and linus really hit it off and I remember oh being my god i know yeah well that's the thing is like linus has been the one who's linus is the one who's like going up to adults going up to these girls at their front door being like hey my friend he really likes you and then it's like no like he's the one who's actually the most active actually putting himself out there so by the end he is rewarded with the fact that yeah he actually gets along with this little girl and what yo I also charlie remember. got he really did. I also want to mention this one is probably the only peanut special I've ever seen that actually has on-screen adults <laughs> because Oh wow. Which I know. Well, because the, there's a scene where like Snoopy and Woodstock are crossing the street. They like press the button to like let them like cross to go on the crosswalk. And like you see adults in their cars like screaming at like you actually see adults like like waving their fists and screaming at Snoopy and Woodstock as they cross the street even though they have the right of way because there's a red light it's so it, it's like okay you didn't have to have adults screaming at snoopy but they for some reason they did and it kind of it really takes you out of it because you're just like isn't the point of charlie brown is that we don't see the adults like what do, do they even um, like like speak at all or do they just go wah 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 no they don't even have trump trombones they just have like murmurs they're just like yeah 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 like basic cartoon murmurs but yeah no this one not only does it have adults which makes it infinitely cursed but like the fact that like charlie brown is such a dickhead in this one and he's so petty and so bitter and then by the end when linus rightfully gets along with the girl more than he ever could charlie brown is left like even more better he's just like he's angry at linus he's just like how could you do this to me how could you betray how could you betray me and I'm just like, dude, this is your own fault. And to me, this was like the most miserable peanut special I have ever seen. Like, These, it was this so. Feels, this feels Yo, all out of character for him. Like, it feels like Hon- 
Because most yeah. sh- most specials, it's supposed to be everyone around him that's the dick character. Okay, well, most yeah. of them are. But then the roles right. reverse, and it's just... It, no, I, I don't like this. This shouldn't be right. Yeah, no. This is out of character. Yeah, like I've said, every, like yes, the point of Charlie Brown is that life is kind of miserable for him. But you can't really blame him because sometime, sometimes he is a little cowardly. But at the end of the day, everyone around him... Not everyone, but like most people around him are huge dicks to him. So like it kind of puts him down. But this one, it is 100% his fault as to why he doesn't get what he needs at the end. Like he gets exactly what he deserves. And that is karma, bitch. You were too cowardly. You were too petty. You were rude to your friend. And you got no girl at the end. Because guess what? You were a piece of shit. Like it is the one time I've ever seen Charlie Brown act so miserable like it was it was hard to watch at times you're just like oh it hurts but honestly and like i said i watched it as a kid it really like haunted me as a kid seeing like charlie brown go through this whole escapade and for it to be for nothing at the end but like watching it as an adult i'm just like i'm even more horrified by it because it's watching this character who i love so dearly act so out of character and so mean and so bitter that it that by the end when he's like when it's revealed that like you know nothing works out for him i'm just like oh he deserves nothing because it's entirely his fault but it still hurts because you know he's better than that you know like it it's really fucking wild that this that they made this for children you know because like it it kind of deals with a lot of heavy shit when you get down to it it's it's fucking fascinating i highly recommend people check it out even though it's fucking miserable <laughs> uh, so yeah month of love jingle 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 <laughs> you know what was his fault but yet he had the right to do so mm. bring me the head of charlie brown mm. I love Bring Me the Head of Charlie Brown. <laughs> now that now that was a peak special, folks. Now that that he also acts out of character, but you know what? I'm rooting for him in that one because <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Happiness is a warm Uzi. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend uh Bring Me the Head of Charlie Brown. What a great special. I'm sure you can what, find what great... it on I'm sure oh, you can find yeah, it somewhere think... on YouTube, folks. Yeah, Unlike we, I think specials. we watched it on YouTube. Yeah, I yeah, think we, we watched did. it on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a it's a student short film from like the same guys who directed Wreck It Ralph, I believe. Um, if I remember, yeah. I remember hearing about this in a Simpsons commentary. Mm. I probably need to look back on that. I remember only just yeah. seeing one and two on DVD. So, yeah, yeah, probably that that sounds about right. You know, they're, they're all these animation directors, they're friends in the industry. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to really say about these Charlie Brown DVDs. Uh, I'm sorry you weren't able to watch them, Mordo, but like, eh, if right. if you're, I know, but if you're ever able to watch them, I highly recommend them. Um, but yeah, as for me, these were really interesting to watch. Yes, some of them left me frustrated. Some of them left me angry and bitter and miserable, but I kind of respect them because it's like, it's Charlie Brown specials. You wouldn't expect so many varying emotions from charlie brown of all places like you know i've grown up watching you know the usual three great pumpkin thanksgiving christmas you know i feel like those are the ones people most know about yeah and those are great those are my favorites like when i think charlie brown those are the ones i think of 
but I wouldn't say these are ones, those are ones that have given me like a wide array of emotions. Like I just think they're funny. I think they're charming. I love them. I'm always happy when I watch them. Whereas with these, I'm either miserable. I'm like befuddled. I'm, I'm all these different varying emotions. And it's just like, wow. Like the fact that I could get that from Charlie Brown of all places is really quite something to behold. So Thank you, Phil Roman, for <laughs> directing some of these and actually being like actually <laughs> delivering some very varied emotions when it comes to Charlie Brown. I Just give really me those respect fucking that. Fucking home runs, Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so suffice it to say, I'm keeping these DVDs. I think they're I think they're really cool. Uh, they're I'm honestly very... like... go ahead. Oh, um, no, you go ahead. My bad. No, I was just going to I'm just saying, like, I, I think these are very interesting DVDs. Again, like I've said, I can't find these cartoons that easily online. I'm sure you could probably find them. But like, I just I need them on physical media. So I'm keeping these DVDs for sure. Uh, but yeah, you go, you go ahead. I'm kind of curious, like how, like, if there was like DVD releases for like the other ones, like um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, a uh, great pumpkin because i always wonder because uh, mm -hmm. now i wonder if those have bonus specials on there and if they did make more than one special of a holiday because good lord why is there six valentine specials <laughs> that that it seems so unnecessary i think i was yeah. telling my boyfriend about it and they're like why six and i'm like yeah. i don't fucking know <laughs> yeah well like i said i think some of these have very little to do with valentine's as a holiday they just have to do with love and even then the there's no time for love charlie brown that's more about a field trip like that barely has anything to do with love they i think it's just you know association um but yeah no well to answer your question there are dvd releases of uh great pumpkin thanksgiving and christmas that do have bonus cartoons on them because i own them I have this box set that has like the DVDs of Great Pumpkin, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and yeah, they do have uh, bonuses. I think they and they're only all have, like, and, the, and they're Paramount each. releases. I yes, they, oh yes, they're definitely Paramount releases because again, this okay. is like DVD releases from like the early two thousands. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, because like that's like yeah. like I said before, there there's like the early ones released by Paramount, and then like I guess they'll they'll get releases under Warner Brothers maybe yeah and then of course apple has like the streaming service has like the streaming rights to these specials i guess so but i'm not sure if all of them are on there so there's that yeah that's the other thing too i don't know if all of them are yeah no yeah. it's it's it, it's it's a mess man <laughs> yeah i i like i like i said i found a valentine's dvd on that was that was just a Warner brothers release but again i didn't mm -hmm. buy it because a part of Rob Schneider film, folks. That's yeah. your that's your yeah. only hint you're getting. <laughs> oh yeah. So, well, you know, speaking of Rob Schneider, he's a friend of Adam Sandler's, Mordo, and Adam Sandler is the topic of our next movie. If you want to get into that, folks, would you believe me that there's actually a good film out there where Adam Sandler was in a good role and wasn't annoying before Uncut Gems? Mm hmm. It released in 2002 and it's called Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. <laughs> Early That's April right. Fool's. <laughs> That's right, folks. We're talking about Eight Crazy Nights again uh, for yeah. the 18th time. 
Yeah, eight crazy nights. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We're gonna bum. We're we're bum bidding out of the hood with this one. (laughs) Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're not talking about eight crazy nights. I'm done with eight crazy nights until December when I do another eight crazy nights episode. I'm sure. Anyway, you are. Uh, well, eight, well, actually, oh, before we get into Punch Drunk Love, last episode, a- Aiden was just like, hey, you should talk about Eight Crazy Nights. I'm like, I already did. He's like, well, you should do it again. I'm like, oh, do I have to? <laughs> God. Uh, well, yeah. at least with Eight Crazy Nights, that had Rob Schneider. Yeah, it did have Rob Schneider. But yeah, no, basically, I, I feel like we were going to make a connection to Eight Crazy Nights because it's an Adam Sandler movie that released in 2002, much like... Punch Drunk Love, the movie we're talking about today. Uh, How the fuck so, did that even happen? <laughs> uh, well, I know, I know. Well, Mordo, since we are still in the month of love, since we're still in the month of love, we have, uh, I and because you didn't have access to these Charlie Brown DVDs, I, I knew you wouldn't find, I knew you wouldn't have an easy time finding them. I was like, all right, you know what? you recommend the other movie you, you want us to talk about. And I'm glad you chose this. So please, why don't you get the ball rolling with Punch Drunk Love since I've been doing a lot of talking. Please, okay. tell the audience about Punch Drunk Love. So, Punch, so if you all know me, how I gush about Memento being my favorite movie of all time, there mm-hmm. is a runner-up that mm-hmm. kind of competes with it. Though... Is not on a same level as Memento, but for me, mm-hmm. this movie hits me on a personal level. And of all mm-hmm. films, it's a film starring Adam Sandler, and we all know how we <laughs> love Adam Sandler. But oh, yes. it's a, but sometimes you just find a rarity, a rarity out there where Adam was kind of actually good in his role. Like you actually like his character; he did a really good job portraying his character, and. It's it's not really often you see that, and that kind of makes me sad because I think he could be a really good actor if he's just doing the right films and not just for cheesy comedy bullshit that's just unfunny most of the time, like with his Happy Madison stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a Crazy Nights could have been good. I mean, like the animation was great, and I I think I kind of get the story they were telling. It's just it just had to be a shit show. Oh. It had yeah. to be a literal shit show. You, I mean, you get the animation studio that did Iron Giant, and this is what you wasted on? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Um, I know, I always hear a lot of people saying, like, Adam's best film was Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Uncut Gems. I have not seen Uncut Gems. I know a lot of people like it. And I know mm-hmm. Adam's good in it, but here I'm just like, okay, that's cool and all, but like, I, I, I have a better film where he's good. I don't think mm. most people talk about, and uh, that being Punch Drunk Love. So, well, it's interesting because I do think saying Uncut Gems is like Adam's best role is more of a modern sentiment. I agree. I think that is, I it's said a lot more nowadays, but I will say, I think for the like before uncut gems was even a thing i think this was the one thing that people pointed to they were like punch drunk love is like adam sandler's only good film which now we have two only good films which is i mean is better than none i will say that but yeah no i think i think you're right though now that uncut gems has kind of you know taken the spotlight a lot of people are 
yeah, I kind of dethroned it. I will say I am one of those people that does prefer uncut gems, but that's mostly because, you know, I'm not saying that because of Adam Sandler. I love that film because of the Safdie brothers. Like, I'm a huge oh, yeah. fan of their work, so I tend to I I tend to really relate more to that film than I do Punch Drunk Love. Now, with that said, Punch Drunk Love, holy hell, like what an excellent picture! I, I will yeah, say, it was like, so good. It is worth the hype. Like it, like it's you know, it's one of those films that a lot of people say the same things on. They say like, "Oh, this is Adam Sandler's best role." Isn't well, it, yeah? This no. isn't Uncut Gems also on Criterion Collection? Uncut Gems is on Criterion. Yes, I yeah, don't so own both... Criterion. I own the Lionsgate Blu-ray because, well, <laughs> Lionsgate. How can I not? <laughs> Hell yeah! No, uh, Hell I guess yeah. it's a th- you know the two only good Adam Sandler films, and they're both on Criterion, folks. Go buy it if you yeah. haven't. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, Punchdrug Glove is very much like one of those very special films, not just because of Adam Sandler being very good in it. You know, I think there are multiple other reasons as to why Punchdrug Glove is very, very good. But we'll get into that. You were going to say something? Uh, I do not own the Criterion version of Punch and Glove, but I do want to someday. I own the original like DVD release of it, which I kind of do want to talk about. Uh Yes. So I so I think one thing I've learned when it comes to discovering films, I so here's a here's a fun fact, folks. But sometimes I kind of just like looking up DVD openings. I kind of like looking up DVD openings because I just want to see like, oh, I wonder how like how this movie like boots up. What's his menu looking like? Is it like a good early two thousands DVD I should probably check into? And I think Punch Drunk Love was like one of those films, and I think memento because again sometimes i'll just find films i really like on accident mm-hmm. <laughs> it just happens uh so yeah, yeah but- i watched like the dvd opening of that and i like how um it's definitely different it kind of feels a bit different from like other um sony pictures dvd releases because like it opens up with like the the r rating um um screen and then, mm-hmm. like, it, and then it proceeds to the Columbia TriStar Home Entertainment logo, but, like, instead of hearing that jingle, it's completely dead silent, which is, like, weird. There's, there's not often you get, like, a variant of the logo where it's just, like, different. And one I can oh, think yeah. of, I, I think a different variant I can think of for that logo is the Final Fantasy Spirits Within DVD of all things. That one was cool. <laughs> yeah that oh, was that cool. movie yeah that had a cool variant but i know a lot of people don't like that movie but yeah it was just it yeah. opens up silent it was just interesting mm. you know fbi warning stuff like that then we get to the dvd menu mm-hmm. and in the dvd menu um it's it's it goes through like the variant uh color visuals that the movie has i think that's a, like mm-hmm. i think that's a really cool i love the color visuals they're like so like they're so pretty so yeah, the cool. way it like transitions between scenes, and it's just like yeah, these like colors, yeah, it's really yeah. And you cool. have you have those color visuals, and that's just your menu screen, which I dig. Oh, and then you and then nice. you just and just like you just go you just go silent throughout this whole like just starting the DVD all the way till you start the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I kind of yeah. just discovered yeah. it on accident. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I kind of actually I want to own this, and then I watched it. I'm <laughs> like, damn, that shit was good. Yeah, and it comes with a very good movie attached. Isn't that fun? Well, it's interesting, yeah, because yeah, I remember when you talked about when we talked about Panic Room, and you talked about like how interesting that special edition DVD is. Which, by the way, since we've 
since we t- last talked about that film, I actually did buy the special edition DVD that you told me about. I even Good. popped it in Good. to check it. And yeah, the men- the the way you were describing how the menu goes, how it like starts at the Columbia TriStar logo and then it turns into a blueprint of the building. I'm like, oh, I, he was right. The uh, the hype is real. Like that was really cool. I um, I it's definitely like I definitely like owning DVDs when it it comes yes. with a cool variant. I'm just like that's a cool ownage. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that I think Panic Room was another film I just found just like out of discovery of a, a DVD opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really cool when a physical uh, release actually gives a shit about you know presenting how presenting the film that is. You know, I think you were telling me about how Unbreakable has like an FBI warning that like just breaks through. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that. I mentioned that on the episode. Yeah, we're like, yeah. It starts off with the FBI warning, being like, "Do not pirate," or I don't know, whatever the fuck that FBI warning is. I never care to read it. I just, and then it just like starts just to at crack the and of just every breaks. DVD. Yeah, and then it breaks because it's glass. Like, yeah, it's really clever. Like, again, I love yeah. shit like that, which is why I hang cool. on to DVDs. I know I could pro- upgrade these movies to 4K or Blu-ray, but it's like, no, I want to keep these DVDs because they're that unique they're that interesting like thought was put into packaging these films hell yeah so yeah and yeah i this sounds like a really cool dvd i don't own punch drunk love but like i do definitely need it on a on a physical release um after watching it this time i'm just like oh yeah this is something that definitely needs to be in the collections whether it's a criterion or that interesting dvd you're describing i don't care there is there is a third option there is a third option to own it and i think it's for 4k but the only way you can get it is through the columbia classics collection oh yeah i think oh it's like one of those like large collection movie collections yeah like so i know like columbia like columbia classics are like dvd like are like a box set of like like columbia films that like released on Mm -hmm. 4k and i think like a recent collection they released has punch drug glove on it so that's your only way of getting it on 4k if i'm correct okay interesting interesting yeah i wouldn't care about 4k or blu-ray status i just want something really cool um yeah but to talk about the actual film, if we could, yes. Uh, yeah, let's get into that. I yeah no, this was really good. Like I PTA Paul Thomas Anderson is one of those directors I've barely talked about. I do like the films from what I've seen of his. Like I I don't know what I would consider to be my favorite from him. Probably this, maybe Licorice Pizza, but maybe this. You know, like he's not one I've seen every single one of his from. I feel like I should though. He's he's one of those directors that I definitely should watch more of. But I do too, seen, honestly. I, really like. I yeah yeah. I that, maybe that could be our next story arc. Hmm. The PTA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah P- that, or, that or Fincher, because again, we talked about Panic Room on that oh, last yeah. on that other episode. Yeah. So many good directors to talk about. <laughs> so many good directors. Do. True. Yeah. Exactly. But we got we got to finish Nolan. We got to. Oh yeah. Nolan. Wait. We'll, we'll, yeah. Don't worry. We'll finish with Nolan, and then we'll, we're free to do whatever. Exactly, exactly. But yes, PTA is definitely one of those directors I should be watching more of. But from what I've seen, like I've said, I really do like from what I've seen. And yeah, Punch Drunk Glove, I believe the hype. Like, it is so good in what it does. Like, this is very much... I think what I like most about this movie is there's not a lot of characters. It's very much centered on Barry, who is Adam Sandler. Oh, should I, I should mention? But please, please mention. Uh, any any Radiohead fans like in you know 
watching this um if that name sounds familiar to you uh yeah he's done like some music videos and worked with tommy work before so here's that's a, here's right a yeah yeah he also direct he directed a radiohead music video i think it was called anima i think that was like i think that was like the first thing i ever saw of ptas back in like 2019 if i'm not mistaken yeah wait let me see what let's see what music videos he's done i'm gonna go on wikipedia but you can you can go ahead and keep talking well, anyways, as I was saying, you know, this is very much a character piece on the character of Barry. And I feel like I, I feel like that's the, where this movie's at its strongest is, yeah, you know, people always say this is Adam Sandler's best film, but it is definitely one of Adam Sandler's best characters. I feel like we should mention that because, you know, you could say like, oh, this is a great film, but like, you know, Adam Sandler's filmography has stuff like Jack and Jill and Pixels and like you know hubie halloween like films that not many people like because they're bad or you know you you know what i'm saying like you know there's very much uh a stigma against adam sandler comedies because a lot of them are not only bad they're really bad like we've talked about a crazy nights that's one of the worst films i've ever seen just purely because it is so unlikable it is so shitty so like when you say that punch drunk love is like his best again the competition is stuff like jack and jill and eight crazy nights this this movie could also suck and you know you wouldn't know because the bar is so low when it comes to the competition but let me just say that punch drunk love knocks these films out of the park not just because the other films are bad but because it is a genuinely good film it is a genuinely well-crafted story about a really engaging character going through this really engaging story so barry egan played by adam sandler is like this awkward kind of down on his luck kind of guy kind of like charlie brown in many ways wouldn't you agree oh my god holy shit wait hold up (laughs) you're on or something that's crazy I, I feel like maybe Punch Drunk Love really was the best double feature with these Charlie Brown DVDs. <laughs> actually, yeah. Yeah, actually, that makes sense, though. Now that you put it like that. I feel like, yeah, because Barry Egan, he's awkward. He's kind of down on his luck. A lot of people, not to say that he's, like, hated, because, like, well, you know, he doesn't get along with his sisters. His sisters are no, yeah, huge, his sis- huge no, bitches. No, like, when you first watch it, like, you can see, like, his sisters keep calling him and just are just walking all over him, forcing him to come to this yeah. party. And then he comes to it like he promised. And, mm-hmm. you know, he he's still treating like shit. And, you know, yeah. they, they were going they were talking about how, like, oh, back then he used to do stuff as a kid and they called him gay boy and stuff like that. And the yeah. fact that they, they kept bringing it up and just didn't yeah. go. That's when, like, Barry kind of just finally lost it. And like I said earlier, breaks a fucking slide door window. Oh, dude, the cause- breaking of the yeah breaking the sliding glass door it's such a good scene and i'm glad they have it at the beginning because you know it's it's barry with like his emotions being pent up like you have like this big blowout scene where like he just like breaks the glass door at this party and i'm glad that like i'm glad they have it kind of early on in the movie because in any other movie i feel like that scene would happen towards the climax you know what i'm saying because like when the tensions are high you want to have like the high intensity emotional scene at the end but like no they save it for the beginning and i feel like that makes it a little more interesting because it is it's like the high intensity of that emotional scene but it's also what kicks off the story because then it's like 
you know, then he's kind of on this on this path to like find acceptance, find love, find, you know, belonging, I would say, just because that's he's he's a very sad individual as he says to the the dentist character he's just like sometimes i cry a lot like and i hate myself sometimes and i hate myself sometimes like yeah no it's very very like emotionally charging dialogue but like i feel like adam sandler delivers it beautifully like the way he says it feels so real it's not over emotional in the way he says it he kind of says it matter of factly and i respect the hell out of that because then it's like okay i'm able to take it more seriously he's able to deliver it like then he then he eventually does break down after he says that stuff but in the moment he says it so matter of factly and i feel like him like then crying after he says it so matter of factly kind of adds to the emotional weight of it because you're just like jesus christ like he's living with this kind these kinds of thoughts he's normalizing these kinds of thoughts and then it hits him emotionally and then he starts crying so it's a very emotionally mature film i really really respect the hell out of this movie for taking itself so seriously that way oh definitely yeah um uh oh god what else is there to say well i also want to mention that even though he doesn't get along with his sisters and then, you know, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character and the Georgia character, like the people who beat him up. And even though, like, I feel like in this movie, Barry is very much, uh, I, I feel like, you know, the, co- the common, uh, idea with this film is that Barry's kind of autistic. I, w- I you, think when, when... I, I probably wouldn't be surprised if that is like the case. I, yeah. Uh, I'll explain near the end. Yeah, well, the other thing I, w- I just want to mention that yes, Barry is very does have tendencies and similarities to that, but I feel like everybody in some weird way in this movie does as well. Like I feel like in any other Hollywood film that has a main character that's socially awkward that way, you know, at the very least he's socially awkward. You know, they would have like every other character be like this, like competent, you know all on top of everything like normal like relatively i said i say that in quotation marks normal but like it would be so unrealistic i feel like every side character in this movie has a little bit of awkward socially awkwardness to them as well so then the world feels a little more fully realized you know when barry talks to his sisters like especially his one sister uh what's her name i think it's uh elizabeth you know that's the one sister we see because he has like seven sisters but we only really get one of them i would say that elizabeth character is honestly just as awkward as barry is and because like the way she like talks to uh lena because you know she when she talks to lena she's just like he's so weird she's so weird we shouldn't be here we shouldn't be here like the way she has like the way she kind of talks is a little like socially awkward like she doesn't understand like how to fully talk to people when she's like talking to barry like when she's talking to barry on the phone she's like you have to go to that party you have to go to that party why like and then he's just like hey i'm chatting with someone and she's like why, why the fuck did you say chat like you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like these characters have like such awkward conversations that it, it, it really just makes it feel more real. And I really appreciate that. Like, I feel like, you know, if you had her like relatively normal, like she had like, like she spoke kind of normal and like Barry, like Barry stood out more, it would just feel kind of awkward. It would just feel like forced in that kind of way. Like, Oh, Barry's different, huh? It's like, no, I feel like Barry is different. But he's still a person, much like 
every other person in this movie is a person. These feel like real people. You, you know what I'm trying to say? I feel like I'm rambling, but you know no, what I'm saying? No, you're fine. Yeah. No, yeah, but like, I know, like, I guess when I'm going to just him, it's just like his sister's like talk down on me. Like, part of it just like was really like irking me. I'm just like, oh, yeah, dude, can you fucking realize that he is working? Why do you make this? Why do you make this complicated? And like, yeah, why are uh, you bothering judge him at him? work? Yeah. yeah. Why are you calling him? Like, it's it's annoying. He's like, oh, you're but, chatting. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's chatting with someone. He's yeah, at work. Very Don't you fucking do say. that, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very much like yeah, everybody in this movie is socially awkward. And I feel like I feel like the movie pointing that out or makes like, it um, far more engaging. Or like um the one scene we were talking to his other one where it was just like, Oh, I'm working and I'm like and she's like, Okay, but what are you doing? And he's like, I'm working. I I'm talking and, to you and on the just, phone. I'm standing, <laughs> I'm talking to you on the phone. I'm working. Yeah. Don't you yeah. you cunt? Yeah. <laughs> But that's I think what I'm, this, saying, I'm sorry. Like, I think this movie made me hate women. I'm sorry. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm here. Well, I don't blame you. I'm my body. I'm saying things I shouldn't shit. I'm sexy. Whoa. Where does where does that come from? Can I take your pants to your fuck? There was a little Spanish fleet. <laughs> okay, Jackie Chan. <laughs> Sorry, I think I had a demon possess my body. I, I said uh, something that I normally don't say. No, that's okay. But, yeah, you know, but I feel like you make a good point, though, because, like, the fact that, like, the, the sister character is so horrible. But I feel like, I as horrible as she is, I don't see her as that much of a stereotype. Like, I don't see her as, like, you know, when it comes to, like, bully characters or antagonistic characters in these kinds of movies like especially in rom-coms and especially in adam sandler movies you see like these bully characters who are so one note and stereotypical and i feel like elizabeth is that kind of character but a little more real because again the way she talks the way she acts around lena the way lena acts around her like you know like these are these still feel like real characters even though they're being so horrible to Barry, because I feel like they don't even realize they're being horrible to Barry. Like they're just that ignorant, you know, like it's, it's not so much that they like relish in the idea of picking on Barry. They just are just so ignorant because they don't realize what they're saying is really hurting him. And especially in even like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, or that Georgia character, you know, these are characters who are, picking on barry like really making him feel small especially those brothers characters but like they themselves are not evil they're just ignorant you know they 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 don't care that it's barry like them they are just scamming somebody they don't care that they don't care who barry is they just want his money they don't care who he is as a person they could be scamming anybody in this movie and they wouldn't care you know what i'm saying and I guess that was the thing, like, at like during that one scene, like, yeah, he gives him the money, but I guess since he kind of, like, judged them about it and questioned it, that kind of just escalated mm-hmm. and made it worse. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, hey, I just want to be, I just want to, like, make this clear, like, she was scamming me, like, you, what you people are doing is illegal, and they're just like, shut up. Like, they don't care. But I would have like, just, just walked away and just be like, all right, I'm, yeah, we just go our separate ways, don't talk about this ever again. Right. <laughs> 
But Barry is very much a moral person, and he wants to be let it known, like, no, I'm a good person. What I'm doing is not wrong. What you people are doing is wrong. Like, he wants to set the record straight, but, of course, that infuriates them. It does lead to a really funny line when he's, like, running away, and, like, they approach on the pickup truck, and they're just like, why are you running away? We know where you live. <laughs> they just drive away. <laughs> like, that's funny. Like, yeah, that's I can tell, like, when he was, like, running, like, you, you can tell, like, that, that like, obnoxious adam voice is coming in but like there it's just like that was funny he did sound a little like whitey when he's like heavily breathing where he's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) his whitey kicked in (laughs) yeah eleanor i'm being chased by a bunch of boys who are trying to steal my money (laughs) whitey why are you wearing that same blue suit can we can we get a can we get a punch drug love remake with whitey as the main character? Ooh, now that would make a gazillion dollars <laughs> hold on hold on wait i think that the director's on twitter i gotta hit him up hey i got an yeah. idea for you yeah here's, i gotta here's call how adam to, sandler here's how to bring back whitey yeah <laughs> but yeah no i think that's that's like it's it, even though every character is socially awkward even though you know even when they do horrible things or they're doing nice things or what you know let's talk about lena actually she's a socially awkward character but she's like you know best case scenario socially awkward because she does things that are like a little on the weird side like when he's walking like when he's when he after he like walks her to her apartment after they went on like a date he like walks down to the lobby and as he leaves the concierge is just like are you barry and he's like yes and she's like telephone and he answers the telephone and it's lena and she's like hey i just wanted to call to let you know that i would have kissed you and he's like okay and then he runs back upstairs to kiss her it's like yeah, yeah you know like, what's funny like when i saw strange. that scene when i saw that scene i i feel like i imagine that barry's anxiety kind of rised up going that there's a phone call and he might think it was georgia again like threatening mm. him but I think right. it's just—I think just hearing uh, "This is Lena," I think there was just that sigh of relief. Yeah, in him. Well, that's well, what I like scene, to think. Well, there's that scene um, when he act when he goes to Hawaii and he's like trying to find Lena at her hotel and he's like calling and like you know he's at the phone booth and uh, right like as he's talking to Lena or like he finally gets Lena on the phone and when she says hello and like the light in the phone booth like goes off like that phone like that little like telephone like payphone like the light on the inside like turns on and it's just like ah a moment of clarity he's finally found the woman he loves and he's like finally talking ah, to her on the phone oh god that's such good like cinematography such good timing too with the directing yes. it's so good yeah yeah so and good. i love i i, I love the scene before love, that Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the scene. Um, that's the scene where like he's talking to uh, Elizabeth on the phone. Yeah, his and, sister. Like, we're trying to get like get a hold of like Lena, and like she's yeah. like saying, "Oh my God, you're in Hawaii, aren't you?" And he tries yeah, you're to in deny Hawaii, it, and then that's and it's just that one moment where Barry finally stands up for himself and just starts screaming at her. Yeah. It was just and it's just like, get him, get her, yeah. get her, fuck her yeah. up. Yeah, go off, King. Yeah, he's go just like, off. I'll fucking kill you if you don't give me Lena's fucking number. Like, yeah, he's just totally oh, losing. Dude, I, and again, I wanted him to scream at him. Like, I was, yeah. I was wanting it, and this is the, be- this is probably the best we're gonna get. But like, it felt so uh, I th- earned. Yeah, no, I think I like this movie more because it 
it like relegates that scene, that blow up scene where he finally like confronts his sister for being such a huge bitch to him. It kind of relegates it to that one shot of him just like screaming on the phone and then it immediately hard cuts to him still finding Lena. And I think what's imp- I think what makes me love that that it's not some like big emotional scene where like it's like this super quiet like just him and his sister like in a room together like him just explaining everything she she's done wrong to him like i feel like we don't need him to explain and to really blow up to her because we kind of get it we get their relationship and so we just needed that one little sting of him finally standing up to himself and we needed it as like a little last minute thing because really the movie's more so about him finding love. It's not really about him confronting his sisters. You know, it's about him finding Lena, appreciating who Lena is to him. And like, cause like, that's the thing is like later in the movie when like, uh, he confronts Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's not there to beat Philip Seymour Hoffman off. He's there to see, or he's not there to, beat philip seymour hoffman up he's there to uh tell him stand up for himself standing up for himself you know it's not about causing violence it's about him standing up for himself and being like i've found somebody who loves me for who i am and that makes me far more stronger than you you know than you like belittling me so like you know it's not a movie about hate it's a movie about love so I think that's that, that's the one thing I I like that's the one thing I love about this film is like as the sh- as the movie goes on barely Barry comes to learn that he needs to fight his own battles and stands up for himself otherwise yes. they're just going to keep coming at him and the fact yes. that you know he after knowing that M- um so when they got back home from Hawaii you know those those brothers of his uh kind of kind of hit his car and um mm-hmm. Lena's head was bleeding, and that's what kind of just drove him into a, a, a rage. She just beat him with um with some sort of <laughs> with, uh it was like some sort of like uh, crowbar, metal pipe, one of those it, things. It was it's like a crowbar, but like it's like a crowbar for like your car sort of thing. And and yeah, then or like just, oh. Yeah, it's like the 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 jack that they use for like yeah uh, yeah dude that yeah, was yeah, just but... that was also just warring to see just him finding just like of just finally laying it out and like oh dude k- kicking their asses it's just like ooh ooh yeah dude Shit the was first hype. punch the first punch he lays on that guy sounded like it really hurt like the way he just punched that guy it sounded fuck him up it was not fuck like him a, up baby. Yeah, it was not like a corny, cartoony, cartoon punch sound effect. It genuinely sounded like he hit the guy. Like, really good sound design on the fighting. Like, holy crap. Like, And this isn't an action movie. Like, this is a rom-com. So, like, the fact that it has really good sound design in the fight scene is just impressive. Like, that just shows you how, how much of a meticulous director PTA is. Like, he knows what he's doing. Like, oh, so good. Um... Yeah, no, that but that's the thing is like that's that one scene is probably him just like going all out, like actually, you know, choosing violence in that sense. But yeah, even and then, the, and then like, that and then, of course, you know, going all the way to Utah to stand up for himself against Mattress Man. Oh, so we got to talk about the lead up to that, though. So, like, yeah, he's in the hospital. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so then he goes, he like walks away to go back to his office to call Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. 
And he calls Philip um, Seymour Hoffman's character, which leads to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh God, what what an actor that was gone too soon. Like, mm-hmm. like so good in this movie. Um, oh yeah, he was great. And he he has like this big blow up scene where he's just like, shut up, shut, 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 shut up. Like the way he says that is so good. He's so loud and boisterous, and like he's just like, you're it's nothing but a pervert. A good, it's such, such a good a, scene. Yeah. Which and then that leads Barry to like just walk away with the phone still in his hand, and he yeah, walks he away with the cord it on him, and he kept it on him, and then he went back to the hospital to check on Lena. Lena's been discharged, and so then he goes all the way to Utah, still with the phone in his hand, <laughs> <laughs> and he walks into the mattress store, and he's just like. And he confronts Philip Seymour Hoffman. You think he's going to beat him up. and But again, like I said, he's there to say, you know, I'm far more stronger because I have someone in my life who loves me. Not I'm not strong because you're belittling me, because you're calling me a pervert, because you're like, you know, trying to ruin my life. Like, I'm strong because of this woman. Please leave me alone. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like, you know what? You've caused enough trouble go away and then he walks away and then well there is that there's that part where uh philip seymour hoffman he, goes like you fucking pervert he's just like what did i say what did i say and he, philip seymour hoffman's like, like no that, that's, that's that. that that's that that's that just want to give him one away. more fuck you before he leaves <laughs> yeah just one more fuck you in which case barry's just like fine i'll take that fuck you and then he walks away and that's when he finally that's when he goes to lena and yes, he does admit to Lena. He's like, hey, well, he brings the, what is that, the harpsichord or whatever, the, the like tiny piano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah, he, that's, that's, that's the one thing I should like mention. Like, so at the beginning of the film, a random cab just drops off this harpsichord player. There is mm-hmm. no reasoning behind it. There's no like context of who it belongs to. It was just dropped off there. And it's it, it, it's just kind of like the centerpiece of the film because like I think like that's how like the soundtrack was played on or something like that, something like that. Yeah, the score is I there's so much to talk about, but yeah, the score is excellent in this movie because a lot of it is like kind of like these this like old timey romance songs that play sometimes like the He Needs Me song. You get some like Hawaiian like classical Hawaiian music, and then yeah, you get this like instrumental stuff that doesn't even sound like it's played on traditional instruments and i guess it was played on like that weird little piano thing but it match it matches the tone of the movie perfectly like it's such it's such interesting music and like it stands out it sounds unique but like a good kind of unique um it just oh it sounds so good the score is excellent in this film also also that and they're like i completely forgot that like there's like out of the blue there's like a car that just goes like spinning flying like out of the blue just like i don't know how it happens it doesn't get explained we never get get elaborated on that that shit just happens and then just the second layer just like drops a hot support leaves i'm just like what the fuck was that opening I guess the harpsichord was just far more important. I know I I don't even know if it's called a harpsichord. I just forget what it's called, but like it's just like this tiny like, piano. Yeah, it just felt like a big lift out of gator moment. Just like it's like the most <laughs> like that intense car accident just happens, doesn't get elaborated on, and then you just kind of forget about it. Just like, well, that just happened. Big lift alligator moment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right though. It is a big lift alligator moment. Um but yeah, but yeah, yeah. So he brings the little piano to Lena's apartment. And he's like, "Listen, 
I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for leaving you at the hospital. Like, pl- like, please forgive me. Like, I, I've fixed everything. And then he I confesses about, and he confesses about he called a sex hotline as like a way yeah. of coping, yes. which kind of led him down into a, a scamming. Yeah. So, yeah. So he finally admits everything to her. Yeah. And, and it's also kind of interesting how, like, in the Hawaii scene, like, he also admits that I beat up the bathroom in that restaurant we were at. That was a great scene. Like, how she's just, how, like, even just Lena retelling the story, she's like, yeah, your sisters, sisters have told me a story about how, like, they used to call you gay boy, and you threw a hammer at the uh, sliding glass window, and he's like, excuse me, and he goes to the bathroom, and he just absolutely beats the shit out of the bathroom. I, I love how, like, the, au- everything. I love how, like, the, this, I think, I feel like, I love how, like, the mic kind of, like, pops when it kind of, like, like, it gets, like, like, loud and, like, distorted when he's, like, beating mm. it up. Yeah, exactly. And then the manager comes up. He's just like, sir, d- did you beat up the bathroom? He's like, no. He's like, are you sure? Because your just hand awkwardly, Because he kept awkwardly, like, admitting that he didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't I, I didn't do anything wrong. And then, this, and then the manager even goes like, sir, I'm going to call sure. the cops. He's like, but I didn't do it. Sir, I'm going to crack your head open. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> He's like, all right, fine, let's go. And then he, and then even then, when he sees Lena, he's just like, "Listen, I hate this place. Let's just leave." <laughs> leave. Oh, it's so good. And then yeah, and then eventually he's just like, "Actually, I did destroy the bathroom at that restaurant." <laughs> She's like, "Okay." Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like little scenes like that are great. Um, and I do like Lena as a character. I I feel like Lena's great Lena. because I feel like you could like I feel like some people might argue like oh she's just like the typical like female love interest, but no, she's not typical. Like again, she's also kind of quirky. Like she has her little quirk story. Like the movie starts with her bringing her car to the mechanic that just so happens to be next to Barry's business, and she's like can I leave this with you? And realistically, you'd just be like, why are you leaving your car with a stranger? But like, she's just kind of ditzy and like, doesn't know what she's doing. So she's just like, eh, I want to leave this car with the stranger. And then like walks away. It's a good thing that's, that they that's, eventually that's what I liked about like the open. That's something I noticed about the interesting opening scene of the film. Like most, most of it just feels like all like one shot. Like there's no like cuts mm. or anything. Like all just yes. like all done like in one shot, like camera movie well, and everything. There- there, like, are there are cuts, some, but there, there are, are long takes. Cuts. You're right, though. Yeah, there are like there are like a lot of long takes, like multiple. There are long very takes much a lot of opening. long takes. Yes. I mean, yeah. There's, interesting. There's that one scene where they're at Hawaii. I know we're jumping all over the place, but like, I there's just so much to talk about. You know, it's like, but like, anyway, there's that one scene where they're at. They're in Hawaii. They're at like that like outdoor restaurant kind of area, and like the camera pans to like towards like the, uh, you know, this uh, the the, the people performing the hawaiian music and then like there's this woman like dancing in her hawaiian skirt and then it pans over to uh barry and lena and they're like having a discussion and they're like talking about this at one scene there's that one part where barry goes yeah it really looks like hawaii <laughs> it's like yeah no shit it looks like hawaii like it's just <laughs> but again like that's the conversations they have they say just such mundane shit but it doesn't matter what the conversation is the important thing is the it's two of them food. are just they're 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 happy to be together it doesn't matter what they're talking about like they this is you know again like they could be saying like george lucas dialogue like i don't like sand it's coarse rough and irritating it gets everywhere but like again the fact that they just did, did love you see each that other prince, 
Did you see that prick's face when he saw that yacht? <laughs> exactly. He could have been saying that. Like, it doesn't matter the conversation. <laughs> what matters is the fact that they're together and they they enjoy each other's company. And the acting is so good with them. Like, again, the the two characters, even though they're saying such ridiculous things, like, yeah, this place sure does look like Hawaii. He says it in a way that I buy Barry would say that in that moment because he's so awkward. He doesn't know what to say in that moment. Like, it's it's believable and it's so good. And again, yeah, that's a one take where like the the camera's just panning through this entire like uh area and then eventually gets to them. Um Yeah, no, so good. So good. I I I really like honestly just love Lena's character. Because like not yeah, just so for that, Lena's but like the character. fact that and just for the fact that Lena actually like cares about um Barry, like she's mm-hmm. not, she's like one of the only people, one of the only people that don't walk all over him, like everyone else does. Right. Like she actually because- cares about him, and it, and it just, it's so good to have a character like that, just despite yeah. what you know, uh, Elizabeth says to her about him, and it's just like, and, and I'm just glad, like she kind of just sees through Elizabeth's bullshit and be like, I don't see that in him. No, yeah, she genuinely sees this person that she enjoys being around in Barry. Like she, yes, she understands that he's a bit awkward and that he'll destroy a bathroom after being, after telling him that she knows about him being called gay boy and throwing a hammer through a uh, door as a child. Like, but she still knows that, yeah, it frustrates him, but deep down he is a very good guy. He's a nice person. He knows how to act around people. Like he knows to just be this, nice person and he's also a very interesting person like the whole like pudding subplot where he's just like oh yeah i noticed like this this flaw in this system where like if i buy all these cans of pudding i can travel the world forever (laughs) without paying for a plane ticket yeah because like like, they're doing like some sort of like promotion to like get mileage out of it and stuff like that yeah so he buys so so he buys a shit ton of pudding and how like he even he buys more of it with the with his friend of his at work yeah, and they were just and he was describing like a whole like like box of it or like like stand of it where yeah. like, you see him running yeah. with it and he's like dancing around stuff like that. Well, <laughs> it's I just, love just sub- a fun I lo- scene. I I, uh, I love that subplot because it's like so unique because it's just like who came up with that? Who came up with Adam Sandler buys a bunch of pudding so he can get free frequent miles on you know plane tickets it's like that's so clever like that's so unique like who would think of that as like a subplot in a movie but that's what i love like because this character is so unique that i buy he would come up with that it's just it's just so much fun it's so much fun to see this character like again he's so fully realized that he comes up with that and again that lena is impressed with that like again like I just love that Lena feels just as real as Barry does. So then when they actually have scenes together, I believe their romance. I believe that even though Barry's kind of an emotional wreck, I buy that she would genuinely find him interesting and find him and fall in love with him. It's it's pretty much the the best case scenario of Anakin and Padme when you think about it. Like you just like why does Pat? What does Padme see in Anakin other than it's for the plot that she has to fall in love with him? You know, because like at the end of the day, Anakin's a raging psychopath. <laughs> but like here, there is something to Barry. Like there is something to him as a character, so that I buy Lena falling in love with him. I think, 
I think one thing I, I really like about this film is that it doesn't pull, like, that generic third act breakup sort of thing where oh, something goes God. wrong between the two. And oh, I, yeah. And I, I like how, like, there is no, like, conflict between the two where they, like, go their separate ways. Like, they yeah. don't do that, and I love yeah. it for that. It is a well, wholesome relationship from beginning to end. I do know, yes. like, I think at first, like, I think she was a little bit upset at Barry the fact that, you know, she left him at the hospital because, like, yeah, she he did, left her at the hospital. She she yeah. did mention, like, you left me in the hospital. And he's like, I know, and I'm sorry. And, like, don't do that again. And he's like, I right. won't. But in the, and yeah. they easily make up for it. That's, like, the only bit of conflict. And it's just for that one brief moment. But everything else, it's, it's just a wholesome relationship from beginning to end. And you just want them just to be happy. I'm glad you mentioned that scene because, yeah, I wanted to mention that as, like, I guess you could have, you could argue that's, like, a third act breakup moment. Well, it's not actually, but, like, it is a moment of conflict. But, again, it's a moment of conflict. Like, it's not, they don't stretch it out as, like, a third act breakup. Like, it is a moment of conflict because, well, in all honesty, Lena does have the right to call him out on that. It's like, you did leave me at the hospital. Like, and then the way they solve it is she simply just goes, don't do that again. And he's like, okay. And then it's solved. Like, that is such yeah. a way she would say that to be like, all right, that's how we solve it. Just say it. Don't do that again. Okay. Okay. It's it's solved. Like, it's, it's both really funny, but exactly how these characters would interact with that, like, with that in mind. Like, so you're absolutely right. Like, oh, God, if there was a third act breakup, I would fucking kill myself. Like, that would have absolutely ruined the movie. Like, no, honestly. And I'm really, uh, really happy that it didn't it happen. absolutely ruined the film. Oh, undeniably. I think, I, think I, like, I think, like, the closest that we got out of it was just, again, you know, just Alina, you know, injured and stuck in the hospital. So Barry's just on his own. And yes. when and so so he does that. So he uses that time on his own to fight his own battles. Right. Until exactly. finally, movie, you know, mean, yeah, the movie is brilliantly told like that. Like they don't they don't separate in the third act because of disagreements. They separate because literally Barry walked away to go solve this problem. And then when he went back to go see her, she wasn't there anymore. Um, and then, of course, then they solve it. And then at that point, she's just but she understands. She understands why, you know, she's just frustrated. She's rightfully frustrated, but she understands again because these characters talk to each other. They communicate. They understand each other. There's no forced separation where like characters realistically like realistically this character should understand why that other character separated from her. And in a badly written film, she would have been like, I don't trust you anymore. Blah. It's like, nope, none of that bullshit. It is completely told realistically. It is told brilliantly. I, it's so good. It's so good. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but like, can you blame me? Like, that's just how good this film is. Like, it's just so yeah. Fun. Hell yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't really have that many problems. I feel like the reason I ha don't have this rated like as high as you do is because, you know, it's a little short. I feel like I could have gotten more, but I also don't want it to be anymore. Like the fact that it's an hour and a half is a fucking miracle. Like I it's... do think. Um, wait, hold on. If I'm correct, I think there is, like, a short film on disc two mm. called, um, uh, I gotta find it. I, 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 la to da do da do da do 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 I'm still looking it up, hold on, I know the name, I just gotta, I just gotta confirm it first. 
Blossoms and blood. Ah, okay. Okay. Thank you for bearing with us. Anyway, uh, so it's a short film. Uh, it's something like actually, um, okay. So basically, it is a collection of alternate takes and deleted material. No kidding. And it also, it also has like, um, it also comes with, um, a song by John, uh, Brian called Here We Go. That's not okay. in the film, but I'm kind of upset that it isn't because it's a really good song. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, but it's in the short film. Okay, that's interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. alternate alternate takes that's interesting yeah but even still i'm glad the scenes we got that are in this film are exa the exact scenes we need for this film and i feel like I, I feel like this is a film i'm growing to appreciate more and more because of all the things it does right like it just it just it's you know, I don't often go for rom-coms. Like, when I think of romance movies, like, they're not... Th that's probably the genre of film I like the least. Like, I can never really vibe with uh, films of the romance genre. Because I feel like there's just... I don't know. There's just too many forced ones. And, the, and the you know, the ones that are... It's all the same. Seen is like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say all of them are the same, but yeah, some of them are. But I feel like it's movies like Punch Drunk Love, like this, like La La Land, that actually like are actually good rom-coms, actually good romance movies. Like, and I feel like Punch Drunk Love is probably the best I've ever seen. One of the best, I gotta say, because like, oh, it's just because again, these two characters are fully realized. I buy that they are real people. And the relationship between the two of them is just as real. Like, I buy that they find love in each other. And it's not just surface-level bullshit or bad screenwriting. Like, no, these two actually get along, and it feels real. So, I just, I, I just, it's just so good. It's so good. I, it's so good. What, what else can I say? It's so good. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, um, oh god, is there... Is there anything else to say? Because, like, I think I pretty much talked about every scene I wanted to talk about with this movie. It's just it's re really good one. If you haven't seen it yet, audience, please watch it. Like, what are you doing? It's so good. I highly recommend it. I need to recommend it more. Yeah, no. I, 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 got, I, I, gotta... see why. I can see why this is, like, one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. And, and like I said before, like, on a very personal level... Because mm -hmm. I guess I guess I'll finally explain why I guess this movie kind of means a lot more to me. Mm -hmm. Because I see a lot of myself in Barry. Mm -hmm. I have been one that's either socially awkward, shy, used as a punching bag, and walked over on by people, and I just have anger issues, and I probably would take it out, and I probably just either want to like leave the room and scream and punch things and kick them. And stuff like that. I've ha I feel like I've had moments where like I I've either want to do that or I have done it, because I just feel insulted by everyone and it's just I, I I just don't get a lot of respect, and especially with a family that I feel unwanted in, nor or I don't want to be in. At least, unlike, well, at least unlike me in between Barry, I at least have a sister that isn't an asshole to me. Like, she's actually, mm -hmm. like, she, no, she's, a, no, she's sweet. She's very kind to me. We've, we never had, like, a rivalry growing up, and we don't do now. 
so that's that's good that uh if my family issues are a story for another day one of these days i'll open up about my trauma but i i really see a lot of myself in barry and i think like especially what you said earlier like the fact that he might be autistic because i am someone who has autism i have like adhd and mm. i i just had like i have like that feeling of like being shy or awkward or just 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 not social enough because i know like i think like um the beginning of the film you know uh, elizabeth was telling her, like hey i have this friend that might come by and i think you might like her and he's just and he just keeps like sh like turning her down i'm just like i yeah. i don't want to because i don't feel like i'd be like my, myself i'd feel like awkward and yeah. stuff like that and, and just, that's why so and of course, just trying to find an excuse to get out of it because I think I, I think she doesn't he doesn't actually want to go, but the fact that he, that he kind of got forced on it, like he kind of has no choice. Even if he does right, show exactly. up, even if he does show up, he still doesn't even feel welcomed. He doesn't get rewarded no. out of it or praising for it. Like no, like he's just given the same shit he was just given earlier that day. Yeah. Do you like? I like that one scene, like that one shot, like when he does end up going to the party. He like walks in and he can already hear their conversation, being like, "Remember when we used to call Barry Gay Boy?" And he like walks away, <laughs> like from the door. He's like, and then no. he walks back in, and then he walks back out. Like he's debating. I think I remember here. Like, I, uh... I feel like I heard someone saying like, "Is that him?" And I think he just thought to himself, "Shit, they know I made it." Yeah, and and then he has to walk in because he's like, "Well, they already know I'm here. Like I can't be rude." Well, I yeah. guess I can't run away now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the brilliance of Barry as a character. Like, it's never explicitly stated if he does have autism. Like, I don't have autism, but, like, I do relate to Barry strongly at times. Like, again, the whole, like, being at a party and it's so loud and you're just like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. Or, like, the fact that he's, like, socially awkward around new people. And he's like, I just don't want to talk to you. But, like, I guess I have to. Like, yeah, stuff like that is just a lot. But I feel like that's the brilliance of Barry. You don't entirely know, but I feel like anybody can relate to him. Um, some more than others, obviously, but he is that, that's just, he's just so good. He's so relatable. Yeah. Like and I think like, I think especially like that scene where he's talking to the dentist guy, he's just like, I hate myself sometimes. And I'm yes. like that too. I've had, I've had a lot of moments where like I self doubt myself and you know, I've just, I just think sometimes I'm not good enough for people and i'm just not good enough for myself and i don't think of myself positively enough but and i know a long time ago i used to have a private venting account and i have used it to say awful shit to people and just used it aggressively and you know if it wasn't for cred i probably i don't know where i would have been because i think with him in my life I've learned to change and grown as a person and I'm still am. I want to be a good person. Hell, maybe even better. Mm. And with him by my side, my love for him makes me strong and I would go out of my way to hurt anybody or just go on a rampage if anything were to ever happen to him. Just like how when you saw, when Barry saw Lena bleeding, he was just in a rage that he was willing to hurt anyone that fucks with him or Lena. And I would just do the same if so, because I'm just, I, I wouldn't want anything to happen to him. And if something were, I think you would be afraid of me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what, because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I would not be myself. 
and I think like I think this all has to do with like my letterbox review I I made like light last night. I just I kind of just went on a venting, just saying how like I relate to Barry and why uh, his character means something to me and what this movie means something to me. And I really like your reviews for this on letterbox because I mean. I like your I like your letterbox reviews. I think you have a very funny sense of humor. I love I love whenever we watch something on Wheel Night and I love seeing what you have to say about some of these awful films we see. But <laughs> I do like but yeah, you are a very funny person, but I do like that for both of your logs on Punch Drug Love, you do go into detail as to why this film works for you. And I think that's that's just a testament to how good this film is and how much you can connect with it. Most definitely. And you know, I, th- I think with with Memento, I love it when I can't cr- on a creative level and, and on just yes. an enjoyment level and stuff like that. Just the magic and beauty to it. But but Punch Dog Love is a movie I love because I relate to it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I don't relate to it as much as hard, but I very much relate to very huge aspects of it and i think this is still just a fantastic film one of my favorites from pta one of my favorites from sandler obviously i relate to uncut gems a little more but that's a me thing i still still, very much i i still need to see uncut gems i I know yeah yeah it's one of my favorites but the only only scene i know about is adam's just saying holy shit i'm gonna come <laughs> I disagree, Gary. I disagree. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very quotable film, I must say. True, um, but I whole hands down believe that Punch Drunk Love is still up there as one of the best things Adam Sandler's ever done in terms of cinema and film. Um, it's no way Crazy Nights, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, I still can't believe that there. I still can't believe that this came out around the same time as Eight Crazy Nights because oh, I know I, it's because yeah. Hell, yeah. actually, let me see. This came out October eleventh, two thousand two, and when did Eight Crazy Nights come out? I would imagine it came out like later, like later in November or December. November twenty seventh, literally wow. a month, somewhat of a month apart. That is um, God. How do you go? How do we go from having the most peak Adam film to come out that year? And then a month later, we had a complete shit show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What exactly. happened? It's re- It really is quite insane that 2002 of all years has one of the best Adam Sandler movies and one of the worst. Because, like, that's the thing. Yeah, it's just insane. The fact that Eight Crazy Nights of All Movies came out around the time of Punch Drug Love. But that's, I think that's it's insane. important to understand that because it's important to understand that no matter how many times he makes an Eight Crazy Nights or a Click or a Jack and Jill or I don't know, whatever other Adam Sandler bad comedy you want to point there. Because like there's plenty of those. There's plenty of bad Adam Sandler comedies to point to. It's important to understand that Punch Drunk Love still exists. Uncut Gems still exists. Like, these films exist where it does placate to his strengths as an actor, you know? So, like, we need these movies. We need to understand these movies, not just as comparing them to his awful comedies, but just as great films regardless. I hope there. I hope there's. You know, I probably am not seeing a lot of Adam stuff, but I hope there's more films out there where you know there's a good role in it, and I just don't want to think this is the only two. There is one other one. There's that Netflix movie from uh, Noah Baumbach called The Meyerowitz Stories, which is it's Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller and a couple of other actors, like Dustin Hoffman's in it. So like Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller play like 
the sons of Dustin Hoffman's character, who's like this very famous artist. And it's just basically a story about like, you know, them as a family, like just interacting as a family. And I remember really liking that. I remember liking it more than Marriage Story, which because I remember watching it around the time that Marriage Story was kind of big because, you know, that was like the big Noah Baumbach movie at the time. Um, And I remember watching Meyerowitz stories. I'm like, I like this more than Marriage Story. I don't know. I just found Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller and Dustin Hoffman like far more engaging like especially adam sandler like oh he was so good in that movie but it's, it's been a while since i've seen it but you know it's a netflix original and again it, it wasn't as heavily marketed as marriage story was so like yeah because yeah, it didn't really it didn't get nominated for any oscars from what i from what i remember hearing about so oh, like what? yeah like uh, yeah no it's a shame so it's not as popular as something like Pu- punch drunk love or uncut gems but i think yeah of the people who know about it they do put it as like one of the very few great Adam Sandler performances. So I highly recommend Meyerowitz stories. If you can find it, I, it's okay. on Netflix, but you, you know, Netflix, the, who knows if they're going to keep it on there much longer. Yeah. I, I think I, I think back to what I was going to say earlier. Um, I definitely know that. I think that's the one thing I've, I've learned about. I think there's some, there's something you need to learn from this one was just like, both not, not both Barry and Magispan are both flawed. They're both in the wrong here. No one is. They're mm-hmm. both kind of at fault because Barry made the mistake to call a sex hotline as a way of coping, and of yeah. course, Magispan is also at fault because the man tried to scan this dude and just put more pressure on him. So just mm-hmm. seeing the two, you know, going up, standing. So just seeing Barry just stand up for himself, saying, "I am a good person." And it's just a way of just like he was going to learn from his mistake and just trying to tell him just the so he's stepping up for himself, fighting his battle, willing to admit that, yeah, he made a mistake calling the hotline. I'm willing to accept that. Yeah. But just know we're both in the wrong. So why don't we yeah. just go our separate ways and just know that? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's that's like, uh, like I said, such real feeling characters. Yeah. So that's, you know, I know I'm flawed. I'm not perfect. But I learn to accept my mistakes and try mm-hmm. to grow for them and don't want to blame it on others. And yeah. I want and that's just something I need. I, I need to know more about and not let it get to me or and not, you know, stress me out because um, it's I, I guess it's just something I, I guess I just think about like, you know, my manager at Burger King tells me just like if you ever make like a mistake, don't let it like get to you. It, mm. it it happens stuff like that and you know it, it's just kind of good because like my manager at bk is actually like he's like a really good mentor when it comes to this guy and stuff and i and i respect him for it he's a really cool guy mm. and but yeah yeah trust me i'm enjoying it better than working at mcdonald's i can tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good that's good yeah, yeah I, but hey, no that's yeah the it's power just... of punch drunk love baby what what a great Hell film yeah. to, to learn from yeah we we learn a little bit about ourselves from this movie exactly yeah, no, I I agree. I I've I've definitely learned a little bit about myself through watching this film and learning. Yes, I I agree. Learning to accept that even when I when I make mistakes, I can absolutely learn from them. Exactly. I think like a thing I was worried about, like I was worried that you were gonna get the same effect that you did with Interstellar, saying like you might have not oh, liked yeah. this more than I did. But I'm I'm glad that you know. That. Yeah. But I'm glad that we're still on the that. same boat. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. I was thinking about that. I'm just like, is Punch Drunk Love as good as I remember it? And then, like, within like the first five minutes, I'm just like, oh yeah, no, 
this this rocks this is great this is so yeah good. all right yeah i yeah so. all right i forgive you for interstellar which i'm speaking of interstellar uh, i guess james liked it more than us which i am surprised about i am very curious what he thought about it yeah cur- currently out. at the time of us recording this james is in the midst of uh watching for the nolan ranking so i'm i'm very much excited for that y'all y'all don't know how hyped we are well mostly me i don't know about you i'm excited no i'm excited oh all right I'm, yeah okay yeah so we're both hyped knowing knowing us. i'm always excited to see what james has in store for us to edit i'm always excited to be a part of the shaferless experience of course guys i'm gonna, i'm guys i'm gonna I'm going to fight to edit Memento, and I'm going to talk about it. I, I want to talk about it. I'm going to talk yeah, about that. Fuck. Like William, like William Hyde yes. the Godzilla minus one. <laughs> yes, but I'm not going to make, but I, I'm not going to, uh, but I'll make sure not to make it over long. I'll just say, I'll just no. point out my points about my, about my thoughts about the film. And then I'll just yeah. use that time to talk about, guys, you need to know about this DVD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it dude, need, that would be so good. Yeah, The world so needs good. to know. You got to promote the podcast too. Just saying. <laughs> I, I will. Wait, did he Just keep kidding. the promote? Did he keep that promote in in the Oppenheimer segment? No, he didn't. He edited it out. Which That's you know, some, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He did. Look, it's his channel. He can edit his videos however he wants. It's he took fine. out. He took out me dancing where I'm like me when I'm mementoing. <laughs> I, put, I put so much effort in that edit, and it's gone. Fuck you, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fuck you james what piece of shit <laughs> just kidding james we love you <laughs> don't fire me <laughs> Woo. anyway uh well speaking of love uh mordo i think we should end this episode in the month of love uh you know, sex our, Yes. No. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Mordo, I think that I think that just about does it. I think we've we've talked enough about Charlie Brown Valentine's and Punch Drunk Love. So, Mordo, shout out your stuff, dude. Where can people find you? Uh, at home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> leaks my address. <laughs> <laughs> doxes you doxes myself <laughs> the right albuquerque new mexico <laughs> uh no okay just just josh uh i just say you know the usual mostly on twitter you know my letterbox uh i guess blue sky is more open to the public now so i can try to be active on that more which is cool i, I don't know if you mm-hmm. planned on I don't, I don't know if you plan on still making a um uh, I was Blue thinking Sky? about it. I was thinking about it because I don't want to crawl back to Twitter. I refuse. Um, I wouldn't. I, I to... wouldn't blame you. I know. I feel like, but I feel like I do need to promote the podcast and like some social media. So you know what? I like I said, if William creates a blue sky, then I'll create a blue sky. How about that? Uh, well, I have news for you. He already did. Well, well then I guess I'm creating a blue sky account after this. <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All your usual links will be in the description, Mordo, as poor usual, of course. Um, Cool. But yeah. Yeah. Thanks, dude, for coming on today's Valentine's Day special. The very special month of love special. (laughs) I 
keep saying month of love because I remember when we were ma- we were trying to make this episode, like you you brought up the fact that like you wanted the the nostalgia critic like month of love. Like we always thought about that. Like that that one. Well, we get we have to we have we have to reference it because come on, you're the you're the Doug Walker fan here. You, I, I yeah, mean, no, it. <laughs> it's pretty much a staple of this podcast is bringing up Doug Walker and nostalgia critic in some way. So it yeah. makes sense. <laughs> so, but yeah, thank, but anyway, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you. Even though you didn't see the Charlie Brown DVDs, totally fine. I think talking about punch drunk love was just as, was just as nice. Like we, Heck yeah. I definitely needed to rewatch that movie. So I'm glad you recommended it. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. And uh, thank you the listener for listening to today's episode if you want to support the show give a like give a comment listen to us on spotify or apple podcasts or on youtube that's fine too doesn't matter but yeah thanks for watching happy valentine's day and uh wait, uh, wait hold on hal hold on hal i'm oh, getting a phone oh. call Who? getting a phone call hello who's the unfortunate son you never talked called me before what's this about Oh, is this a tease for the next Nolan episode? How? Yes. I think we're getting an ally. Oh, he wants to talk about the prestige. What? Oh, shit. Do, 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 do. (laughs) To be continued. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) All right, let's end this. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a good one, chat.